Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mets fans, welcome back to Amazing Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, but not here with me is Chris. Instead, we have a friend from a pot of their own, your usual Wednesday morning podcast host, Allison McCaig. Hello, Allison. Hi, Brian. How are you? I am hanging in there, as are you. We just talked yes. about uh, Allison's having some knee issues. Everybody say a good, put out some good thoughts into the universe for Allison's knee. Right, right near left knee. Left knee. Left knee. All right. So everyone, everyone, you know, get 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 a, a reverse voodoo doll, whatever you have, and uh, you know, do the work on her left knee so that she can feel better soon. I'm gonna be uh, transferred to the 60 day IL. Oh, okay. Well, as long as you're ready for spring training, you know. Yes. That's that's at this point in the season, that's really what matters. Yeah. But uh, unlike our IL, which has no real uh, bearing on the rest of the season, the Mets season is rolling right along. They have now won six straight. I believe it's 14 of their last 16 or 15 of their last 17. I can't remember exactly which one, but the Mets have um, they swept the Reds. They took four of five from the Braves. And as Dansby Swanson himself said, if it wasn't for two innings on Friday night, the Mets would have swept that entire series as well. So the Mets are rolling right now. And I know that this is strange territory for us Mets fans to be in because we live in this constant state of waiting for the other shoe to drop. But it seems like the Mets are positioning themselves to not just win the division, but to win it handily to be one of the best Mets teams of my lifetime. And uh, 
I'm a little bit older than you, Allison. So I don't believe you were around for 86. I was four in 86. So this has the chance to be the best Mets team of your lifetime and very close to being the best Mets team of my lifetime. So I just want to start by just asking you, like, is there a point in the next month or so where you won't worry about the playoffs? Or are we just so conditioned that until they actually clinch it, we're going to be scared? Where I won't worry about, like, making the playoffs, you making mean? Making yes, yes, making the playoffs. I think I might already be there, which is wow. wild. I mean, like, they're, they're fan. if you think about it objectively, their Fangraph's odds of making the playoffs this, at this point are, like, 99.5%. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, obviously, all of us are scarred by the seven games, seven games up, 17 games to play uh, year. Um, those of us who, you know, remember it, which is most Mets fans, like, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Um, I don't know, man. Dave C recently said in our, in our Slack that he was like, was it, there was a Dave or Corey. Somebody said they were like six in 2006. Oh my God. Yeah. I think that was probably Corey. <laughs> and it just made me want to die inside yeah. <laughs> because I was 22 in 2006. Right, right. Sorry, I, I was 24 I, in 2006. I'm sorry. I was younger, yeah. but I still distinctly remember it. I, I was in high school, but like I remember it very, very clearly. Um, I think that like, but I also think that this team is better than that team was. And I think that this team is better than the 2006 Mets were, which is crazy. But I think they were better. Legit. I think they're better. Like, it's been, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, all these things that have doomed so many other Mets teams in the past, this team seems impervious to. Like, a bunch of their best players were hurt. Didn't matter. Um, they, like, like... Uh, previously, like I, I always think about the Jack McClune. It's one of my favorite things that Jack McClune has ever tweeted, fellow Amazing Avenue writer or uh, past Amazing Avenue writer. He one time he tweeted like, I, I don't I'm uncomfortable by this many people tweeting about the Mets. Stop looking at them. They're impervious yeah. to people looking at them, which previous te Mets teams have not been impervious to. They're like impervious to being on ESPN once a week. They're impervious right. to a bunch of their best players being hurt, including the best pitcher on the planet, who is now back. So the team's even better than it was. They're, they, they just seem, I mean, like, obviously anything can happen, and that's why you play the games, but this team feels more collapse-proof than the 2007 team was. Yes, I, I would say that... Hmm, okay, they're definitely better than the 15 team, 2015 team. Yes, I, I feel like that team was very fun and special, but was not hot at the right time. Got hot at the right. Time. Yes, exactly. And if, if they didn't make the Cespedes trade or the Kelly Johnson one, your eBay trades, like, I don't think that team would have would have been able to upgrade as as minorly as the Mets did at the deadline and make the playoffs. Right. Um, correct. Although Vogelback is not looking like a minor addition He's right now, like nor, is, nor is Naquin. Yeah, I actually, really wild, know, really wild. Yeah, just 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 some actual absolutely wild stuff. Um, but you know the the 2006 team, kind of, they had the opposite experience in some ways. And I'm knocking on all the wood in my office here when I say this, but like their players got hurt at the wrong times. Yes, right. Like, yeah, right. Losing down the Pedro stretch. and El Duque at the stretch that was that was really hard, and it also seemed like that team was getting contributions from people who 
had no business being as good as they were in that time. And while I just said that Tyler Naquin is, you know, on a, a torrid pace right now, I feel like the Mets, there's nobody on the Mets that is having such a season that you're thinking, this is going to break soon and they're never going to be able to get back to it. Like we all know Lindor is amazing and Lindor has been amazing. We all know Pete is great and Pete's been great. We all know Scherzer and DeGrom are two of the best pitchers alive and they've both been fantastic. Like everyone is playing up to their level, but nobody is like crazy overperforming right now. Yeah, that's and, true. I agree and, with that. And I feel like I take a lot of I take a lot of solace in that. Like that means that and look, is Lindor going to go through a slump before the end of the season? Probably. Is Pete going to get a an RBI drought one of these days? Yeah, that seems likely. But it just doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like somebody's performance is going to just fall off a cliff and that's going to lead to the team struggling down the stretch. They and just seem been, like you said more more collapse proof. And it's been like a situation where yes, guys have slumped, like obviously lots of guys have slumped at different times, but the team hasn't all slumped at the same time. Usually like when when guys are struggling, other guys are picking up the slack, like Lindor and Alonzo have both, despite the fact that when you look at their overall numbers, they're having incredible seasons. Um, they have both gone through slumps. Like when Lindor hurt his finger, he was slumping for a while after that because it was affecting him, I think. Uh, but yep. like it didn't matter. The Mets were still winning ball games during that time because other guys were stepping up. And like right now, for example, Luis Guillorme had been hitting like 315 for ages and ages and is not doing that anymore and hasn't hit much for like a month but nobody's really noticed it because other guys have been hitting you know marcana hasn't really hit for the past two weeks no one's really noticed it because other guys are hitting escobar has gone through like prolific slumps <laughs> like yes. uh no one's really prodigious slumps i guess i should say prolific makes it sound like he's producing um <laughs> you know he's gone through some really bad slumps this year but none of them have killed the team because other guys have stepped up to the plate Marte was slumping but then after the all-star break he got really hot again and so like it's just it just feels like nobody like the whole team is like picking like when when guys are slumping other guys are hot so it doesn't matter yeah that's definitely true and on top of that it just seems like with the exception of escobar who was really having a bad offensive season yeah, it's it gotten to the point like, where his overall numbers, like, because I looked at it, because, you know, there was a point where he actually was hit, tearing the cover off the ball kind of early in the season. So I was like, yep. ooh, I wonder if, like, you know, he's had he's been in a pretty long slump now with, like, you know, intermittent hot spurts for, like, a few days. And I was like, mm -hmm. I wonder if, like, his overall numbers are still, like, league average. And I looked and I was like, ooh, he's down to, like, an 88 WRC plus. That's not good. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, I I feel like aside from him, there is nobody who's going through like a a career worst year. Even someone yeah. like Seth Lugo, who has not been great, has not been as bad as we saw him at his worst. Right. Everybody's just playing up to their level. Now, on one hand, that makes me believe that the dreams that I have of this becoming the start of a dynasty are probably overstated because very rarely does an entire team do what it's supposed to do over the course of a season, but it just seems like the bones are there for there to be sustained success now. Yes. And for all the talk amongst, you know, 
NL East rival fan bases about how lucky the Mets are because of their infield hits or BAPIP or something. You think <laughs> about the fact that they actually like it just what they're doing is actually like nobody's doing anything unsustainable. Lucky lucky would be like some guy, some random popping off in a way that you would just never expect, which I guess is sort of kind of a little bit what Tyler Naquin's doing right now. But like <laughs> The Mets have not had. It's also been a week or ten days, whatever. It's, it's been, been a week, like, you know. exactly. Like yeah. the Mets have not had, like you know, like Cardinal Devil Magic when they just like produce yes. these randoms out of absolutely nowhere, and that ends up being like the core of like a playoff team. The Mets don't yes. have that going right now. Like I, I, I actually think the Mets have been like relatively air quotes unlucky in the sense that they like DeGrom was out for half the season. Scherzer was injured for a long time. Like they've had yep. pretty good position player injury luck, but their pitching staff was very hurt for parts of this year. And they, they played, they played good baseball. Anyway, they won two thirds of their games anyway, during that stretch. Even Tyler McGill, who is not Jacob DeGrom or Max Scherzer was hurt for a significant amount of time and still is. You know, right. he was he was a big part of their depth. The fact that David Peterson started as many games as he did for the Mets and they're no worse for the wear, that's that's a real that's a real boon to how good the pitching staff has been. And I, I think I am as guilty as anybody of not highlighting how good Bassett, Carrasco, and Walker have been. They they have all yeah. had their rough starts here and there, and they've had their patches where they've not been dominant. But I mean, there are very very few games that those guys got blown out of the water. One of which was Walker's start on Friday. Um, but you know they've just they have but been he bounced back from it. He did, and they've just been rock solid as a rotation. Yes. And even and even Trevor Williams throwing Trevor Williams into that mix as well. Like, where would the Mets be without Trevor Williams this year? He <laughs> filled in in the in the back end of the rotation when you know they were really at the edge of their depth. Like they they had to they had to make that one Thomas they had to have that one Thomas Sapucky start. That was like yes. the one time they got beyond their viable depth, and it only was one day, and the result was predictable, but. The the reason why like the results have not been more like that is because Trevor Williams has held it down and he started those spot starts when he needed to was fine for most of them and has been very good in long relief when yes. he hasn't been spot starting. Yeah, no, he is. Um, he is. I mean, he was the essentially the second and the distant second piece of the trade that brought Javi Baez to the Mets. And he has had such a great impact on the team. And um, you know, I, I am proud to say I saw him start as a Syracuse salt potato last season when the Syracuse <laughs> Mets played the Rochester Red Redbirds and they became, it became the garbage place versus the salt potatoes. But even in that start, Amazing. I thought, this guy actually maybe has, has – I'm no scout at all. But I thought, you know, he just – his delivery is simple. And it just seemed like this is a guy who can maybe contribute to this team. But I, I didn't expect him to be as important as he's been to the team. It's been really yeah. incredible. And there's been like there's been a lot of discourse about the Javi Baez trade of late because a lot of people were talking about it at this trade deadline because a lot of the reason why the Mets didn't 
get a quote like big piece why they didn't go after like a higher like pecking order bullpen arm than Michael Givens or why they didn't end up trading for Wilson Contreras um, was because they were you know holding on to those top prospects in part because they were I guess like scarred from giving up Pete Kerr Armstrong last year and they seem to regret that Um, but I'm kind of like out here being like speak for yourself Mets like I mean don't get me wrong. Pete Pete Armstrong looks like he's developing into quite a nice player and I'm happy for him. But like I speak for yourself, Matt, Trevor Williams has been very important to this team. I know that like people are lamenting that trade because you traded a like who's going to be a top prospect in the Cubs organization for, you know, a, a rental of Javi Baez. And then it didn't end up carrying them to the playoffs through no fault of Javi, Javi Baez because right, Javi Baez right. was great for the Mets. But, you know, that team did not end up making the playoffs and, in fact, was not even close to making the playoffs when all was said and done. So, like, people see it as a waste. But, like, people keep forgetting that Trevor Williams was also in that trade and he's been an essential part of this team that is going to make the playoffs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's crazy to think that. If you had told me the day of that trade that Trevor Williams is going to be the more important piece in the deal, I would have never believed you. Right. Neither like, would I. No matter what. No matter, no matter how convincing you were a future person, I would not believe a word you said. Uh, so I want to talk about this because both of us have been to a couple of games lately. I'm actually going again on Saturday for the Ron Darling bobblehead um, game. But I was at the game on Wednesday afternoon. So it was a camp day game, which are always fun because, the, you know, there's lots of camp kids there. But I could not get over the just immaculate vibes at the ballpark for a Wednesday yeah. 1 p.m. game when it was 88 degrees or whatever it was. And you were there on Saturday, correct? For the first game yeah. or the second game of the doubleheader? First game of the doubleheader, so the David Peterson game, which was probably not quite the electric atmosphere of the Max Scherzer night game. Sure. Um, especially because I think that, like, technically speaking, the day game was the makeup game. So, like, that was the game that probably fewer people had tickets to. But still, I mean, like, place was packed and, like, people were loud. It was very fun. I It's it's just been so fun. I mean, and and I think that right now there is just... There is that something special about the way this team feels. And I hate talking about stuff like that because I feel like like I, I try to be rational with things like this. I try to have things you can quantify. But the ballpark just feels different this season. And the team just feels different this season. And I'm trying to turn off the analytical part of my brain and just let my lizard brain enjoy this. For a little while. Yeah. And I, I I worry that if I don't do it now, who knows when I'll be able to do this again. Again, like my <laughs> entire lifetime has been made up of people saying a Mets dynasty is coming. 86 was supposed to start a dynasty. It didn't. Two, 99 and 2000 were the start of a dynasty. It wasn't. 06 was the start of a dynasty. It wasn't. 2015, they were supposed to have sustained playoff hopes. They didn't. You know, it's just there's been this constant start and stop of my Mets fandom in terms of the team being good. And when they stop being good, they really stop being good. Now, I know that the Cohen ownership is going to change that a bit. And we were talking in Slack this week about how we think that there is a much higher floor for the Mets going forward because of Cohen's ownership than like any team we can remember because Cohen is not afraid to spend money. And right. so I agree with that, but I also think we have to enjoy this while we have it. 
Yes, absolutely. Because you also never know what can happen because you can raise the floor, but you know, you can still hit that floor <laughs> in the yes. end because of injury, because of other factors that are not necessarily in the team's control. Um, you know, guys underperforming, guys getting hurt, like like we said, that this season seems to be just like the magic formula of everybody playing up to expectations, which in and of itself is a rare thing, even though like it it makes sense statistically if you think about it. Like it's a numbers game, you know, you'd expect these players to do these things and everybody's kind of just pumping out their like spreadsheet numbers. Like this is what you like right. the projections would have said for Lindor, Alonzo, like some are a little bit above, some are a little bit below, but I think as a team, they're kind of within what they were projected, more or less, like almost everyone. And so, but that rarely happens. That rarely happens. Um, that you get a team that sort of fires on all cylinders the way the Mets are doing right now. So you do have to enjoy it. Even if you would kind of expect that, you might make the playoffs again and again and again, which is what I think the hope is under this new ownership. Um, I don't think... I mean, we were the part of the conversation in Slack was like, you know, because Steve Cohen always said that he wants to become like the East Coast Dodgers, basically. And I don't think that Mets are there yet in the sense that the thing that makes the Dodgers in sort of a league of their own in the sport is that not only do they spend copious amounts of money, but they also are excellent at player development and have like a premier farm system. And the Mets, while they have a couple of like really nice prospects at the top, they don't have the farm system depth that the Dodgers do. Um, right now, they're, I would say that the Mets, but I do think a realistic like hope for the Mets in the next, like I don't know, five years or so, is that they are kind of like the Yankees, that you, know, you kind of just expect to be n- n- in contention every year, and the worst that happens is that you're sort of mediocre. And that's yeah. like the worst that can happen. You're never going to be out like the Mets might not be outright bad, like again, for a really long time, which is really cool. <laughs> right. I, I also feel like there's just I am never going to really believe that until we're like five years in. until we see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. true. OK, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We were talking a little bit before off the air about... Um, sort of the Mets schedule coming up, which has become, I feel like Chris and I on this show just always talk about the Mets schedule. Now it's like what our show has become just schedule chat, but weekly schedule segment. Exactly. Yes. But the next 10 days or so are sort of the last sustained scary part of the Mets schedule. And I'm putting scary in quotes here because seven of those games are against the Phillies who, despite uh, one of our SB nation colleagues calling them a juggernaut recently, 
they're they're firmly in third place and they're going to finish the season in third place. I'm pretty confident in saying that. But, you know, seven of them, seven of them are against the uh, Phillies, two are against the Yankees, and four are against the Braves. It seems like if the Mets can get through this stretch of games without losing too much ground on Atlanta, this might be the time at the end of that. There's an off day on Wednesday the 24th. Depending where they sit that day, that might be when I start to really feel comfortable about this team going into the playoffs. Um, I think that's when I might feel comfortable about like the division. Like I, yes, I do feel pretty confident already about the playoffs. Like the Mets are going to make the playoffs. Like it would take something biblical for the Mets not to make the playoffs at this point. But (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't yet feel like they are, you know, I mean, obviously they're not, mathematically locked up in the playoffs or the division until the magic number is zero. Right. right. But um, I don't feel like a hundred percent confident about, or even like, I don't know, 95% confident about the division until probably after that stretch, then I'll start to feel at least more than 50% confident. Like I'll feel like, you know, start to reach the like 80% confident the Mets are going to win the NL East. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think after, that's like where I'll get after that stretch. The Mets only have three more series with teams that are over 500. Yeah. The September schedule is ridiculously easy. Um, And Mets fans were, you know, sort of in this like in this uh, recent series against the Braves where there was a lot of trash talk between the two sides. A lot of Mets fans were giving Braves fans crap about how like the Braves have beat up on bad teams for a lot of their schedule. Um well, you know, there is, par- for the most part, there is parity in these schedules, and the Mets are getting their easy part when it counts at the end. So yes. <laughs> they have to back it up and make it count, which there's no reason to think they won't because they've beat up on bad teams all year, which is what good yeah. baseball teams do. Absolutely. You know, the, the Reds are an atrocious baseball team right now, and it was very clear during this series that the Reds are an atrocious baseball team right now. But the Mets, I hate when people complain about teams beating up on bad teams because what's the that's alternative? That's what good teams should do. Right. The alternative is you lose to bad teams, and that's way worse. So right. just accept the win, people. Come on. Um, like the Braves, the Braves have beat up on bad teams, which, you know, is what good teams should do. The Braves are a good team. They're, I don't think they're as good as the Mets. But the and they and they showed that when the Mets just took four out of five from them. But they're they're still a good team. They're a very good team. And they have beaten up on bad teams all year because that's what good baseball teams should do. They have a I think I'm trying to think if it's like a barely below five hundred or barely above five hundred record against winning teams. They are so twenty one and twenty six yeah. against See, teams five games under five hundred against winning teams. And, and the, Mets, the Mets are nine the over. Hand, nine over. So that's yeah. been the difference. That's been yeah. the difference between a good team and a great team in the NL East yeah. this season. Yeah, I mean, the Mets also have a 40-point higher run differential, yes. which definitely helps things a little bit as well. Uh, the Mets are also better at home than the Braves are, and the Mets are better away than the Braves are right now. The Mets are just a better <laughs> baseball team. They are better, yeah. And that's 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 very good. That is a very, yeah. very good thing. Um, My last question for you before I get to music picks here is um, so the Phillies are a team that I think everybody thought would be about like I think they're they're playing to about what folks thought that their 
natural talent level would be for this season. You know, losing Harper for yes. much of the season has hurt, obviously, but no one expected the Phillies to be like world beaters necessarily. Do you think that at, the, at this point, are the Phillies, do you see them making the playoffs? Are they going to be that, that last wild card spot? No. I think the Cardinals are going to do it because the Cardinals always rip off like 12 wins in a row randomly in like August right. and September and make the playoffs even when they're not good enough. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 less this is less a um an indictment of the Phillies and more just like I just think the Cardinals always do this and they're going to do it right. again. Yeah, I think the, the seven teams from the National League are clearly going to be the Mets and the Braves, the uh Cardinals and the Brewers, the Dodgers and the Padres, and then there's that one other team floating out there that right now looks like the Phillies, but I just think that these seven games against the Mets are not going to go the Phillies' way, and they're going yeah. to see themselves drop a little bit down from there. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, I mean, the stretch coming up that we talked about, that it's kind of the last hard stretch are, you know, three good teams in the the Phillies, the Yankees, and the Braves, but they are three teams that the Mets have taken care of this season already. Yep. So mm -hmm. it's not like there's any threat there that the Mets have not met in the past. Right. Yeah. The, <laughs> the biggest Mets have threat beat the Phillies nine out of twelve times. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the biggest threat coming up in the next few weeks is actually the Dodgers series at the end of the month. Just because yes. the Dodgers are a very good baseball team. Yes, it's I find it uh, that is the only mountain that the Mets will likely not climb this season, which is to finish the season with a better record than the Dodgers. Obviously, anything can happen, but it feels unlikely to happen. And I don't really care because as long exactly. as the Mets have the top one of the top two seeds, it doesn't really matter. Yes. Uh, and actually, I think that the way that the playoffs are structured, you kind of don't want to play the Padres in the in the wild in the first round. Yeah. And the Dodgers are more likely to do that if they take the first seed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been it's been wild. It's it's wild how both of our podcasts were very down on the Mets at the deadline. And I stand by everything I said about the Mets at the deadline. I do not feel like I was um overly negative about what they should have done. I think the lack of a lefty in the bullpen is still their biggest issue going forward. It's a huge problem. Uh but you know, Darren Ruff, notwithstanding, only because he's barely played, but the acquisitions, I mean, they're doing what the, the, the they're doing what the Mets hoped they would do. Yes, absolutely. I, I don't I mean, I guess if you had looked at past me and what I wanted the Mets to do, I definitely did want the Mets to get, you know, Wilson Contreras or J.D. Martinez, like more of an impact bat than they got. I'm willing to I'm willing to eat humble pie on that one. I think that their offense is now fine the way it is with having upgraded like sufficiently kind of on well upgraded their DH spot between the two Vogelbach and Ruff um, and uh, and very much upgraded the fourth outfield from Jankowski to Naquin. So I think that their offense is now good enough. And so my quibble with the deadline is no longer any of the moves that Billy Epler did make it's the move move moves that he didn't make yeah yeah I mean I, I don't know how much of an impact Darren Ruff's gonna have on this team overall and I don't know if he's four prospects plus JD Davis worth it but I'll say that 
I think J.D. Davis had done all he could do for the Mets. Yeah. And of course, J.D. Davis hit like how many home runs with the Giants since right. since going there? It's been a yeah, lot. That was but very like, predictable. <laughs> yeah. It isn't. I'm not even like mad about it. Like, I don't know. Like, go off. Go off. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, last thing I, I mentioned, the last thing was the last, but I'm a liar. They have the Mets have released their full roster for old timers day, which is oh, quite yes. the roster. Um, it is. I'm very excited by it. However, I can't believe that David Wright's not going to be there. I know. I know. It's sad. It's like he insists that it has nothing to do with like his relationship with the team. He's just like his schedule didn't permit it. And also he doesn't feel like an old timer yet, which I guess I get. But Daniel Murphy's going to be there. <laughs> and, and and unfortunately, Jose Reyes is going to be there, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, you know, like the, he does have contemporaries there. And I feel like even if he just goes and is the manager of the team or something, you know, just come on, be there. But I, let me just quickly run down the rosters, folks. There are four former managers going to be there. Terry Collins, Joe Torre, Willie Randolph, Bobby Valentine. It's a shame that the most significant living manager for the Mets won't be there. And that's David yeah. Johnson. Um, bit of a bummer. But uh, pitchers, here we go. Craig Anderson. Bartolo Colon, David Cohn, Dennis Cook, Ron Darling, Steve Dillon, Sid Fernandez, John Franco, Dwight Gooden, Mike Hampton, Jay Hook, Terry Leach, Al Leiter, Skip Lockwood, Ed Lynch, Ken McKenzie, Pat Mahomes, Pedro Martinez, John Matlack, Roger McDowell, Bobby Ojeda, Jesse Orozco, Glendon Rush, Johan Santana, Doug Sisk, Steve Traxel, Billy Wagner, and Turk Wendell. That's a crazy list of Mets pitchers. That is so fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I know that you're not going to get still pitching Oliver Perez. I know that you're not going to get Tom Glavin because fuck Tom Glavin. But other than those guys, like maybe I'd want to see El Duque. Yeah. R.A. Dickey. R.A. Dickey, I would love to see there. Yes. Um, But other than that, that's kind of everybody you'd want to see there. More or less. That's a really strong lineup of pitchers. And then for infielders, Edgardo Alfonso, Wally Backman, Rico Bronia, Kevin Elster, yes. Keith Hernandez, Hojo, Ray Knight, Ed Cranepool, Felix Mian, uh, Daniel Murphy, Jose Reyes, Rafael Santana, Tim Tuffle, Robin Ventura, and Todd Zeal. That's also a very fun infield. It gets the zeal of approval, in fact. It, it, it gets 100% <laughs> the zeal of approval. Uh, outfielders, <laughs> Benny Agbayani, Andy Chavez, Cliff yes. Floyd, Steve Henderson, Cleon Jones, Lee Mazzilli, Kevin Mitchell, Jay Payton, Art Shamsky, Daryl Strawberry, Ron Sabota, Frank Thomas, and Mookie Wilson. Oh, immaculate vibes. I wish Lucas Duda was on one of these uh, rosters, but, you know, that's a whole other story. And then finally, the catchers, Todd Huntley, Mike Piazza, Todd Pratt, Josh Stir- John Stearns, and Josh Tolley. Josh Tolley is the, is the randomest one there, and it's amazing. I yeah. personally would love to get Devin Mesoraco to just show up. <laughs> Wouldn't that yeah. be amazing? Because because he's already like um, in, engaged with some Mets fans this season on Twitter. Because when you know when the Mets had uh, James McCann and Tomas Nito hurt at the same time, very briefly, yes. like someone was like someone tweeted at him like Devin Mezzarocco, can you come out of retirement? And he, he had like a very wholesome response. He was basically like, no, I'm enjoying my gardening, but I'm glad that Mets fans are having a fun season. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was so cute. So who is the one player that's not here aside from Wright that you would most like to have seen show up? 
Ooh, that is such a good question. Go with a random one too. I, I let's not talk like big names. Like who is your Oh, a random, random... one cuz I was going to yeah. say, I mean, obviously to me the biggest shame is Carlos Beltran. Yes. Um, but, you know, that's a pretty big name, but like and we all know why he's not there, but That 06 I'm... team is not that well represented actually. But I'm sad about it that yeah. he's not there. Um, but I, I got to think of someone like more random than that. I'll give you um, a couple of mine. Um, uh, Siyoshi Shinjo. Oh, my God. Yes. Tiyoshi Shinjo. I would love, Great. love some Shinjo vibes. Um, Kaz Matsui, if we're sticking with Japanese players. Oh, I want Mr. Koo. Oh, Mr. Koo's a good one. Yes. I want. Yeah, I want Mr. Koo. That's that's a bummer that he's not there. And he would put the jacket on and just like recreate the the, <laughs> the trip around the bases. Yes. Um, I also I there is a part of me that will always give it up for the, the Mets of the early 90s that I grew up watching that were just terrible. Yes. So excuse me, I had the hiccups all of a sudden, like Bobby Bonilla is not going to be there. And I know why, but. Bonilla would be fun, <laughs> but it would um, be it would be so good because I, I feel like Steve Cohen has already, to a certain extent, by being very online, like leaned into it because he's he was one being like Happy Bobby Bonilla Day, <laughs> right? Exactly, yeah. So Bonilla would be fun to have there. Um, you you know, I'm glad to see David Cohn there. I always associate him with those early '90s teams. Um, Kevin McReynolds maybe would be nice to see there. Mm, yeah, um, I also think that. Ooh, I have another one. I oh, have another one, actually. Ty Wigginton. Yes. I would love for Ty Wigginton to come back because so my like my the Mets teams of like when I rose to my fandom were the I mean, I remember the 99 to 2000 Mets. Like those are kind of my like earliest Mets memories. Like like I like to say that like the moment I became a Mets fan for life was the Piazza post 9-11 home run, even though okay. I remember the 99 and 2000 like playoffs like I wouldn't have I wouldn't say I was like a fan yet. I was still just like engaging with it through my dad sure, more so sure. than like my own fandom. And I would say like my own independent Mets fandom like rose during the Art Howe years, as depressing as that is. Um, I get that. But one of my favorite Mets during that time was Ty Wigginton. And I actually remember, you know, ignorant middle schooler as I was, ignorant child as I was, being like when David Wright got promoted, like being very upset because he took Ty Wigginton's spot and Ty Wigginton was my favorite. And I remember he took Ty Wigginton's locker even like he was in the same locker. And I remember like they showed on TV, Ty Wigginton like emptying his locker and I cried because <laughs> <laughs> I was like so devastated about Ty Wigginton just because he was my favorite. Like, and I don't even know why I just like liked him a lot. Um, I like him too. And so that is definitely along with Mr. Koo. That is Mr. Koo's the pitcher I wish I could see, and Ty Wigginton's the position player I wish I could see. That are like I'll the also, random ones. I'll also throw out uh, Super Joe McEwen. Um, Joe McEwen would be great. Yeah, he was such a big like part of those teams. I miss Super yeah. Joe. Yeah. So I, I think that's more or less my list. But I also would like this to be in the future a, a redemption tour for folks like let greg jeffries come back right like yeah. let guys who had like who didn't leave the mets under the best of circumstances give them their flowers yes yes i agree with that for sure i just don't know who that person necessarily is yeah and i'm trying to think if there's like a guy like from the recent past 
who's got who would be that guy like at old timers day in like 2030 or something oh that's a good question um like who's the guy from like this current era of mets who like i mean the 2022 mets it's tough to pick one because they're so good <laughs> right, so there's right. not a guy who like came to the team and underperformed but um like jason bay is like, the perfect example of a yes older like jason bay is a great example of that who, who would that guy be um I don't even know. Yeah. It'll like, come to me like uh, I'll be falling asleep tonight and I will think I know, of it. I know. There's definitely I mean like maybe James McCann. McCann's not a bad uh, yeah, that's not bad. I mean I, I think, think Matt Harvey probably, is also an answer. Yes, yes. I would love for I mean, it's never gonna happen. Um, because of the way that he like the way that he like parted with the Mets and the way that like his career has ended like very sadly um the circumstances surrounding the angels and the whole thing uh with the skaggs trial but like i would have loved to seen him at a future like old timers day but i don't think it's gonna i happen. i i wouldn't write it off actually hmm. i i think life okay. is long in some ways and i mean think about it like remember back oh god when was it when bill buckner and mookie wilson started doing stuff together and like people were like, how is this possible? How is this a thing? Right. Because like at a certain point, it just stops being. Now, granted, Harvey's situation is very different, right? Like, very, yeah, it's an very off the field situation. Right. But I think that people will eventually forgive him for being. I I don't think he is any different than most ball players. He just got caught doing some of the stuff that other folks get away with. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, not to say that it's not bad because obviously one of his teammates died and that's yeah, it's terrible. Yes. Um, But, you know, and like I just keep going back to like if the Phillies can invite Pete freaking Rose to their like 1980 Phillies celebration, like maybe the Mets can like give Matt Harvey his time in the spotlight again. And I think that he will get it. I Oh, these hiccups are killing me. I really, I really, truly believe that it's a long ways off, but I think he's going to get it one day. Yeah, it, it's not going to come anytime soon, but maybe eventually. Yeah, some time needs to pass, but yeah, that's yeah. a guy I would love to see. And I hope that the same thing will happen with Beltran, like even sooner than that. Yes, like, I, and I think that is the case. I, I do think that that is more likely to happen sooner than later as well. Excuse me. Jeez, these fucking hiccups. I feel like <laughs> a cartoon mouse. I'm not even drinking. I'm not even drinking alcohol. I'm hiccuping. What's up with that? Anyway, as I tried to get rid of these hiccups, Allison, what is your music pick for this week? So it's a very cliche and non-surprising music pick. Um, but for those of you that know me, you know that I am a big Beyonce fan. And obviously, Beyonce just dropped a new album. It's called Renaissance. And I love it. Um, it's different than a lot of her previous albums. Um, so it, like, if you're like, kind of looking for the Beyonce of the past, cast that aside when you listen to this because you you won't like it if you go in expecting like Lemonade or expecting like her previous stuff. Um, it's very different, but I really like it anyway. And like, it's just the whole thing is just like such a vibe. <laughs> like I just enjoy like throwing it on and like, you know, like kind of just like dancing around my living room, except I can't do that right now. But you know, <laughs> the, the general idea of dancing around the living room, sitting in my chair and bopping. <laughs> hey, so there's a thing that's what I'll, dancing, I'll recommend. Right? People yeah. chair dance all the time. 
people chair dance all the time. Yeah, exactly. So definitely going to be the soundtrack of the remainder of my summer. I am excited to listen to it. I've not been able to get to it yet. Uh, as we were saying before the show, it's it's a long record and I want to give long. it the, the proper time that it deserves, you know. So, um, yeah, I am excited to check that out. Um, so I, I, I've been vacillating between two picks for this week. But I'm going to go with my gut here, which is I, I'm, I'm a little bit bummed because I, I just picked this band uh, six weeks ago for a music pick, but the band has an immaculate discography, and that is R.E.M. I'm going to go with Life's Rich Pageant, 1985's uh, R.E.M. record. It's their last record that felt a little bit underground, but it really wasn't. They were already been playing on MTV, and they had already been you know touring quite successfully, playing big venues and all of that, but it's, it's an amazing album, and the reason this is uh, in my head is I play in a cover band with some... Uh, I mean, I, I am a dad myself, but these are like dad dads. Like a couple of them are grandfathers dads. Like they're older guys. And I am always the one who is suggesting a song that everyone looks at me like, hey, kid, what are you talking about? Right. And like I'm 40 years old. I'm not suggesting anything. I'm not saying like, let's play a hundred Gex song. Right. Like I'm I am I am always <laughs> recommending stuff that I think is well within the, the reins of this cover band. But um Last night, I found out that the drummer, who is one of the aforementioned granddads in the band, is a huge R.E.M. fan. And oh, so we're going to start playing some R.E.M. tunes. And that, and the first one he said was Fall on Me is his favorite R.E.M. song. And I said, Fall on Me is possibly my favorite R.E.M. song, too. So uh, it was a real nice moment of connection between uh, two guys who have known each other for like 15 years and never knew that anyone liked R.E.M. So um, that, that's a fun that, that was a fun ending to my night last night. So let's go with the album that Fall On Me is from, Life's Rich Pageant. If you don't know Fall On Me, it's absolutely gorgeous, and you should check it out right now. Well, thank you, folks, for listening. We always appreciate it. Go to AmazingAvenue.com for all of your Mets needs. Amazing Avenue is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Amazing Avenue. You can find this show on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Wherever podcasts are, we are there. Please rate, review, and subscribe while you're doing that. Allison, thank you so much for, for being here. Where can folks find you on the internet? I am at Petite PhD. And you are on a pod of their own. And I am. you are, uh, what is that? That's usually Wednesday mornings. And yes. uh, why don't you talk about Dollars for Dingers for a second in case people didn't start, didn't check out the most recent episode with the D for D announcement? Yes, absolutely. Um, so for those of you who have been following a pod of their own, um, we do an annual fundraiser to benefit the National Domestic Violence Hotline called Dollars for Dingers, where during the month of September, people make pledges uh, a, in a dollar amount for every home run the Mets hit in the month of September. Um, it will be, you know, that dollar amount toward uh, the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, and then sort of to culminate the fundraiser, we do an in-person uh, raffle event and um, and this year, that in-person raffle event will be on September 17th at Ebbs at City Field. Um, that is the day of the um, Gary Bo uh, Gary Cohen bobblehead of the Gary, Keith, and Ron bobblehead. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you want to get tickets to the game and then come to Dollars for Dingers beforehand, uh, we will have you out of there in plenty of time to get your bobblehead and get in the door at City Field. Um, the event will start around 4 o'clock at Ebbs. We will have a ton of prizes um, to buy tickets to raffle off, um, and all of the proceeds go to benefit the National Domestic Violence Hotline. So, yeah, we would love it if you could come join us. 
yeah, it is definitely one of the highlights of my year every year. It's such a great event. We raise a lot of money. I mean, I say we. I have a very small part in this event. It's really the uh, a part of their own crew that's doing the heavy lifting. But Amazing Avenue is very happy to offer any support that we can for the event. And, um, you know, come have a beer or a snack with us. Make a pledge to be giving money every home run, but also come out to the raffle. We're going to have some great stuff this year. I'm very excited about it. And, uh, yeah, there's a, there are much worse ways to spend a Saturday afternoon than hanging out with a pot of their own and raising some money for an amazing cause. Absolutely. So, come say hi to me. I'll be the girl with the crutches sitting down, probably taking your money and giving tickets out. <laughs> I'm going to be optimistic and say you're going to be off the crutches by then. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome. I hope so. Gee, I really it, hope so. It, it costs me nothing to be an optimist in this in this situation. So <laughs> I'm going to be the optimist. You can be optimistic enough for the both of us then. That sounds There good. we go. That works. I'm more optimistic um, about the Mets than I am about myself, which is wild. <laughs> well, I, I will allow uh, optimism for both. So, um, yes, Alice is on Twitter at Petite PhD. I am on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. And until next time, let's go, Mets. Mm-hmm.